God is good. All the time. That's his nature. Wow. There you go. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, turn to First Timothy. I want to thank Pastor Phil for ministering last week. I understand it was a great, a great time. And week before that, it was Rick. And, and, uh, and so we're going to continue on fighting the good fight of faith. And we're going to stay on this through the end of the year. And at the beginning of January for that first month, we're going to, I'm going to be, we're going to be doing a series called Looking Ahead. Looking Ahead. And uh, I believe after that we get into February, we're going to be talking about walking with God. And, uh, and so if you have your Bibles, turn to First Timothy. Uh, Wednesday night is kind of like Bible school. And we just take a topic and we just break it down over, over uh, how many weeks uh, the Lord gives us. And, um, and so here we've been talking about fighting the good fight of faith. Amen. When, <laughs> a good thing to know is it's a good fight because we win. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Why, why is it a fight? Well, what, why, what are we fighting about? It's, well, number one is to protect what's been given, and it's to obtain what's been promised. There's two, two reasons on why, why it's a good fight of faith. We, number one is to protect what we've been given, but also it's to possess what's been promised. And we're going to be talking about the sword of the Spirit tonight. Amen. The sword of the Spirit. So let's, let's start here in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And this has been our title scripture. Amen. Father, I thank you for the word tonight. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're the teacher. So, Father, I thank you that we have eyes to see, we have ears to hear, and a heart to understand the word. I thank you, Lord, as there is an anointing on me to teach, I thank you that there's an anointing on them to receive. So, Father, I thank you that we would grow and we would increase and we would see things we may have never seen before. And I thank you, Father, that as this word is preached, I thank you, Lord, that you would illuminate it to each one of us individually. And to see how we can apply it right now, right now in the moment. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. So let's look at this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And let's read this together. And I'm going to read, I'm going to do the King James. And it says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called. And hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So here it is, fighting the good fight of faith. And he says, lay hold of eternal life. There's a lot of times in scripture that when you see faith, you're going to see this next phrase with it, laying hold of something. You know, anytime operating in faith, you know, the enemy doesn't want you to have faith. He wants to pull faith out of you. Why? Because we know faith pleases God, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, so the enemy, the enemy can get you out of faith and he can get you out of place of, of pleasing God and he can get you out of place of seeing rewards or, or see what's a reward to your faith. It's seeing the end of your faith, what you're standing for, what you're believing for. Amen. You know, I believe it's in John, I think 16, he talks about in prayer and it talks about that, that when you receive those petitions that you have, there's joy, right? You see, when you see the fulfillment of what you're standing on, joy takes place. Why? And so the enemy doesn't want you to see the end of your faith because he doesn't want you to operate and walk in joy. So we're fighting the good fight of faith, laying hold of eternal life for whereunto you are called. This is a life that you're called to. See, the just shall live by faith. 
Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by faith. So this is how we live our lives. And so we've been talking about fighting the good fight of faith. Now let's go to Ephesians. Actually, hold on, before you turn there, let's, let, let's, it says, there you are also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. You professed a good profession before many witnesses. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit later. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. I don't have time to review 12 weeks of information. But we may touch on a few things, so thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians 6, verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The Amplified, I love this, it says, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. So at the end of all what he's talking here, he says, finally, all right, the bottom line is you need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong in, in in, be strong in, is not being strong in yourself. It's not being, being strong in your wisdom. It's not being strong in what you can do. It's not being strong in how you overcame last time. It's being strong in the Lord. You know, I, 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 can, I can just tie synergy into this. You know, we are laborers together with God. Everything we do, our success is going to be dependent in our relationship with God. Your, Jesus said, said, you know, he goes, it's the Father in me that does the work. John chapter 8, verse 29, it says, he never left me alone. I mean, he was a constantly aware of that relationship with the Father. So here, be strong in the Lord. In the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. You know, there's so often, I, I've, I've tried to do things in Justin, and I failed. I, I've, 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 tried to, I've tried to, you know, I've, I've tried to even pray by myself. You know, that, that can happen. That's scripture. You know, it talked about in, in, in Luke chapter 18 how that, that unjust judge went, uh, that widow went to the unjust judge and, 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 and demanded things. It goes on and, and Jesus tells a parable and he talked about two men went up to pray and he goes, one man prayed thus with himself. He goes, thank God I'm not like him. <laughs> You know, you, you can, you know, you're, you know, some, some, some of the praying we do, God's not involved. Begging is not prayer. Wishing is not prayer. You know, it, it, it's this, this aspect of that. I, you know, prayer is, is, I had no idea I was going in this direction, but, but prayer is, is a, is bottom line. It's communication with God. It's a dialogue, not a monologue. It's, it's you speaking to him and him speaking to you. So it's being strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Power of his might. It's, you, you know, uh, you know uh, 
next to my wife's bed, she has one of those those chargers, those those wireless chargers, and just you you, you just put the phone on it. I, my mind's still trying to figure out how does that work. It's like nothing is plugged into it. How does that work? My mind just doesn't compute. There's no you don't have to put anything. You just set it on there. It's like. Is it just like beam me up Scotty? It just kind of goes right through it. And it's like, how does that power get there? I, I don't know. Maybe, Tommy, you can tell me later how that works. I don't know. But, but, or Tom, you can tell me. Or, I mean, whatever. But the point is, it's being strong in the Lord. See, that phone isn't going to be charged. Even though it has the capacity to charge that way, it has to be on it. It has to be, it has to be there. So the same thing is, is if I'm going to receive the strength I need in my life, if I'm going to be empowered in my life, it's going to be based on, on my connection with him. It, it's going to be up next to him, right? Amen. Amen. So be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Verse 11, put on God's whole armor. It's so good to know it's not your armor. It's not your armor. It's his armor. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. It's the armor of God. The armor of God. This has nothing to do with your strength. It has nothing to do with your ability. It has everything to do with God. Wow. That's his nature. Wow. Put on the whole armor, God's whole armor. Amplified says, the armor of a heavy armed soldier which God supplies. Is what God supplies. So what we fight with and what we what we are protecting ourselves with has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with what comes from Him. It says, "Put on the amplifier." Says, "Put on the whole armor of God, the armor of a heavy armed soldier, which God supplies, that you may be able successfully to stand. Excuse me, stand against." All the strategies and the deceits of the devil. That you may be able successfully to stand against the wiles of the devil. We know the wiles there. We talked about this a while back. Wiles are the tricks. The tricks of the enemy. The deceits. That's all he has. He, he has. The only power he has is the power we give him. The, 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 the only tactics he have are the tactics he's always had, and that is deception. So a failure to put on the whole armor will also be a failure to succeed. So here it says, if I put on the whole armor of God, that I may be able successfully to stand against the wall. So if I don't have that armor on, then it's going to be difficult for me to successfully stand against the deceits of the enemy, the attacks of the enemy, the wiles of the enemy. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. People aren't your enemy. The God of this world is the enemy. 
You don't wrestle. The word against there is means face to face. You're not wrestling face to face against flesh and blood, but it's face to face against the enemy. You know, it, there's nothing in the natural world necessarily is the problem physically. You know, it's like it's it's the whole argue, argument of guns. Guns are amoral. They're, the guns are neither neither good or bad, but they take on the nature of whoever is possessing it. Money, see the root. <laughs> money isn't isn't bad. Money takes on the nature of whoever has it. So so the thing is 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 it's the it's the spirit that is driving man. The society is the way it is because of the spirit that is driving man because of the deceptions that's going on with the enemy. The natural things aren't necessarily the problem. It's the spirit that's driving natural things. Everywhere where society is going and directions things are going has to do with wrong thinking and wrong processes. But where do those things come from? The enemy. Suggestions. The God of this world. The wiles, the tricks, the traps, the deceptions of this, the enemy, right? So we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. It's not the problem, but it's what's driving flesh and blood. That's the issue. So then he says this, verse 13, whereunto take unto you the whole armor of God. Remember, it's the whole armor of God taken to you. Now, now I'm just, just kind of just talking out of my heart here. We're going to get into the sword of the spirit here in just a minute. But these are important for you to understand because Paul's talking to the church of Ephesus. And as he's talking to them, he talked to, he ministered to the church of Ephesus for five years. Every day. Annette and I, we we got to go to Ephesus. And we saw the very place that he taught every day. This was the biggest church. This this was a mega church. They said over over five to six thousand people or more were in this church. And he would minister daily. For five years. And so when he's talking to them, it's not like he's, he's just giving them information for the first time. So he, he says this, wherefore? So because, because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, you're wrestling against the thing that's driving humanity. Wherefore, because of that, take unto you the whole armor of God. So the word take unto you, in the original language, in the Greek, on how this was translated, was is a Greek word. It was one word. Taken to you is one word, and it's analabeta. And it means to do it like you used to do it. So this wasn't just first-time information to the church of Ephesus. He's like, he's like taken to you the whole armor of God. So taken to you, do, put it on like you used to put it on. Meaning, you know how you used to put your pants on? Put them on like you used to put your pants on. It's, you need to get your pants on. You need to get your, 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 your put your underwear on. Put your, put your breastplate on. Put your helmet of salvation on. Put your, put your shoes on. Everything that you, way you used to do it, the way you used to stand against the enemy, that's how you need to do it today. So what was he sensing? He was sensing, you know what? You're, you're, you're letting things get to you. 
You're, you're, allowing, you're allowing the environment to control you instead of you controlling the environment. You're, you're allowing the atmosphere to control you. You need to control the atmosphere. You know, there was a time we were praying, heading to a place in Africa, and that just came out in my heart, you know, that, that you know what, we control the atmosphere. We control the atmosphere. And we recognized when we got there, after like after we left that day, we had to make an adjustment and we had to make a shift in what was going on. And and, and so so what happened was we did something different that God was directing us to do. Not like what was going on before was was negative. We knew we had to make a shift if we were going to totally, totally break through into some some things in these in these young people's lives. And so we had to, we had to change the atmosphere. We had to change what was going on. We had to follow what God was telling us to do, right? And, and so because of that, we were able to break through and can now, the spirit of God on the inside of us was able to change what was going on in the atmosphere to where they could receive what they needed to receive. So, so it's the same thing. Take unto you the whole armor of God. Put it on like you used to put it on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about with truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and And above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Hallelujah. Let's get into this. The sword of the Spirit. Now, what kind of sword was this? Now, in, in Roman times at this time, there was five different swords that were used at this particular time in Roman history. Uh, the first one was uh, called a gladius, and we know that is like kind of what the gladiators would use. Um, it would be similar to, um, everyone see Braveheart, you know, the, the movie Braveheart, the big, long sword they throw at the end. It's in the ground and it's going back and forth. That was similar to that. It was heavy and it was actually, they called it, a, it was a gladius, but it was actually a two-handed sword. It was heavy. It wasn't able to, to, to it was, I mean, it was effective if you hit your target, but it wasn't necessarily always easy to hit your target. And, and, and with it, and because of that, there was a group of people that called, called the Carthinian, Car, Carthaginians, that actually defeated the Roman Empire at one point because of, of that, because the Carthaginians had different types of swords. So after they got defeated um, by the Carthaginians, they changed to this other sword that was about 17 inches long. And, um, and, and, and so because it was easier to w- weld. Another type of sword was, they called it the hidden sword. And it was, it was a smaller, it was more like a dagger. And then there was, a, 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 then it was more like a saber, which they did more for, for on horses and stuff, but it wasn't a durable sword. And then there was the fifth one, which is called a mancheria in the, in the, in the Greek. And it's probably not saying that right, but it's actually where we get our word machete from or machete or however you want to call it. And so that's the type of sword that Paul's dealing with here in Ephesians chapter six. And he says the sword of the spirit. So when he uses this particular type of sword, 
it, we, it, it's something distinctive. Because all the other swords in Roman history usually just had one side was sharp. But this one, both sides were sharp. And it was something for, it was more for piercing. And it was something that was good for wielding or one-on-one combat. It was one, and it was about 19 inches long. And so it was this, that was the type of sword that was used that Paul is referring to here. And he, but then he tells us what kind of, it, it's a sword, a mancheria, but he tells us what it is. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. It's the, say the word of God. Now, there's two different types of word in Scripture that you'll see translated different ways. You'll see two different types, and some, a lot of you know this already. But the one is logos. So if you go to a, a, a Greek concordance, concordance and you look up several words, word, you know, the word word, you're going to get several different meanings, two, two different ones specifically, one being logos and another one being rhema. Logos is considered the written word. Now, but here in Ephesians 6 verse 17, it's not logos. It's rhema. So now it's not talking about, it's not talking about the written word. Now, earlier here in part of the very far point he starts talking about the weapons, he talks about the belt of truth. Your loins gird about with truth. Now that's referring to this. That's referring to the written word. And everything, and every single weapon that's, that we see, every piece of armor is connected to the belt of truth. I don't have time to talk about and how they were connected. But we, I can say this, the sword of the Spirit is what came out of the loin belt of truth. So the word, the, 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 the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, is rhema that comes out of the, the loins girt about with truth. Now the word, now what does rhema mean? Rhema, you could call the living word. Now I'm going to, no, I've got some notes here. I'm going to, I just want to make sure I get, convey some of, the, some of these other things. Rhema, in the, in the root form of the word rhema, means utterance. Means to speak. But then it doesn't just mean to utter something or speak something. There's another part of the word uh, in the Greek that means to make something clear or make something vivid. So when you speak something, it actually paints a picture. So where it goes beyond just a word to where it actually paints a picture that you can see. It means it's something that is just, it's like, it's beyond just the word dog. It's now something that I say, say a black dog that's barking loudly. It's now, it's not just D-O-G, but now it's something that you can actually see, you can understand, and you can see what's happening, Right? So, so here, it's living word. It's something spoken vividly. It's a word spoken, get this, in certain and definite terms. So logos is the written word, and rhema is a revealed word. 
It's a spoken word that actually reveals something. So the sword of the spirit is not just me reading the word, but it's, it's something that took place when I have been in the word. Hallelujah. Trying not to get ahead of myself. You could also say it's the quickened word, which means it's a word that's been made alive in one's heart and one's spirit. One's heart and one's spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is who produces rhema. The Holy Spirit takes the written word and reveals it to your heart to where it becomes a living word. Because, see, there's times that I've just read the word and I've just read the word. But then there's times when I've read the word and all of a sudden something just jump off the page. And all of a sudden I'm like, wow. You know, most messages or series that I do um, were came out of Logos but became a series because something I was reading became a rhema. When I talked about he was more than, he's more than just a man, and I'm reading along, and it, when Caiaphas stood Jesus up and he said, Behold the man, I was sitting there reading, and that just behold the man stood out to me. And then now I'm reading the word, but now all of a sudden as I'm reading the word, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me about the word. All right? Thank you, Father. Rhema is a... Spe- now, now, let me connect these things with the quickened word, the revealed word, and the Holy Spirit. And this is my definition for rhema. It's a specific word that the Holy Spirit quickens in your heart and mind at a specific time for a specific purpose. Let me say it again. This is my definition for rhema. It's a specific word that the Holy Spirit quickens in your heart or mind... At a specific time for a specific purpose. It's for a specific time for a specific purpose. So rhema is a product of your word in your heart and the spirit of God in your life. So rhema is a product of the word of God in your heart and the spirit of God in your life. What did Jesus say? The words that I speak unto you are spirit and life. The words I speak are spirit and life. He, he said that in John chapter 6. And he was talking about how, how he is the bread of life. See, he was speaking to them, but they couldn't receive it because, because they were carnal. Because all they could see it was with their, their natural thinking. And it said they turned away and walked away sorrowful. Because they, they were hard, these are, these are hard things for us to hear because they couldn't understand it. Why? The Holy Spirit hadn't been given yet. And so, so here they're trying to share things and they couldn't, they couldn't understand it. So Jesus said, why? Because my words are spirit and their life. If you could just understand what I'm saying, it would totally change your life. So, so I want to communicate to you, if you can get beyond just seeing these as natural words, it will totally change how you do life. I mean, thank you, Father. (laughs) Yeah. 
I've never heard this before, but as I was praying in the back before I came out, I, I heard this, that Rama was spoken to become Logos, so then Logos could once again become Rama. Let me say it again. Rama was spoken to become Logos, so then Logos could once again become Rama. You see that? So let, let me give you a definition. Let me, let me, def, let me give you a, a couple examples of Rama. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And it says, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, light be. See, light be was Rama. That was a quickened word. That was a living word that was spoken for a specific purpose to accomplish something. That's Rama. So when you're reading the word and something goes off in the ends of your heart, that is like God saying, light be. It's to change something for a specific purpose. We can see the uh, confirmation of that in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I believe it's verse uh, 6 maybe. And he says, and God commanded light to shine out of darkness. See, what does light do? Light pierces. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And, and it says, and, the, and that life was the light of men. And he goes on, and, that, and, then, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, so we see that, that this rhema, God commanded light to shine out of darkness. How did He command it? With words. Light be. And something came out of his mouth. You go to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 1, verse 16. It says, And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. See, what does a two-edged sword do? It pierces. So when God said, light be, and light shined out of dark, meaning it pierced out of darkness. It pierced through darkness. That was, that was, that's what Rama does. It pierces darkness. It pierces confusion. It pierces, um, it, it pierces discouragement. It pierces, when, when Rama takes place, it has the ability to cut through things. You know, the thing about Rhema, talking about the word, I, I remember going through a, uh, I was, I was about to, I was pulling up to a particular place and I knew something in here in my heart. I knew, I was knew something, something's, uh, something's not right here and I, I wasn't sure what was going on. 
I knew something was about to shift in my life. I knew something here. There was an anxiousness. There was this thing. And, and I just sat and, 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 and I was like, Lord, what's going on here? What's going on here? I, 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 I see this. I see this. I see that. And I'm like, Lord, I, I, need, I, I, I need some direction here. And, and, and I, I just started praying, started praying in the Holy Ghost. And, and, and all of a sudden, just out, just, it, was, it was almost an audible voice. Psalms, 140, uh, Psalms 146 came up in my heart. That, 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 that scripture, be still and know that I'm God. I'm about to get out of my car and I'm about to walk into this building and I know my life is about to change. And in the natural, not for the better. <laughs> but yet, but yet I, I was like, I, I was like, Lord, all right. Because see, I, 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 I had the written word. I, I knew the written word and I could go to, there's lots of scripture I may go to in the natural, but I needed a word from God to me for a specific purpose. And as I was sitting there listening and, and opening my heart, what, what happened is a rhema came to me. Be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. So I walked in into, in, into that building. I walked in. I sat down. And, I, and, and, and the thing is, the Lord had prepared me. But wow, now I had a rhema. So it didn't matter what the enemy was going to do. It didn't matter what the enemy was going to say. It didn't matter what was going to happen after that. Why? Because now I had a rhema. I had a word. I had a rhema. It wasn't just, it wasn't just be still and know that I'm God. Okay. No, it was, okay, be still and know that I'm God. Okay, God, I know you through this situation. I'm going to be still in this situation. And I know that there's going to be a victory on the other side of this situation. Why? Because now I had a rhema to hold on to. Go, go to, go to um, Hebrews chapter 4. So a two-edged a two two-edged sword came out of Jesus' mouth in their revelations, chapter one. Now, before I read this, the word two-edged in the Greek is the word distomos. And the word the di in distomos, di in Greek is, is the number for two. And stomos means mouth. So when it says a two-edged sword, in the Greek, distomos means a two-mouth sword. All right? It's, when you say two-edged sword, the, in the Greek, it's distomos, and it means two mouths. All right? It's two mouths. And so here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-mouthed sword. Piercing. Piercing. Even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And joint and marrow. And is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So here, this two-mouthed sword, it separates. It separates. It pierces. It divides asunder the soul and the spirit. It separates. 
what's you and separates what's God. Hallelujah. Soul, see, soul represents you. It represents your emotions. It represents natural things. It represents things that might be driving you, but then it can decide, okay, this is, what, this is God's way, and this is, this is man's way. Okay, and the Word has the ability to cut right down the middle of those two things. It's joint and marrow and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So the word, that, that two-edged sword, can tell you what is, what is God's thoughts and what are man's thoughts. It can, it, can, it can discern between what's a right motive and what's a wrong motive. A two-edged sword. A two-mouthed sword. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. See, one edge is when the word initially came out of the mouth of God and was written down. At that time, it only came out of one mouth. It was the word, and yes, that is powerful. But the two edge, the second side, is when we speak it out of our mouths. See, one side is when God spoke it and it was Logos But the other side is when we speak it out of our mouth. Hallelujah. So why is having rhema so important in our lives? Go to Joshua chapter 1. Why is having rhema so important in our lives? Joshua chapter 1. Thank you, Father. So the first point of why it's important is it brings success. It brings success. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I could read verses 1 through 8 here, but let's look at just verse 8 for the sake of time. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous. And then you'll deal wisely and you'll have good success. Remember we're talking about two-edged sword. Now this is, this is God speaking to Joshua. And he's talking about meditate the word day and night. Because the word. Well, you meditate this, it's going to make your way prosperous. Now, there was a time in Joshua where, where, where what's the, the other part, the rhema part of it? He's, you see, he's walking with God. He's meditating the word. He's meditating the word. He, he understands the word. He followed Moses. He got direction from Moses. He, he, he observed Moses. And, and he goes, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. And, and he's walking with Moses and he's observing Moses. But there's a time when, when out of this relationship with God and the relationship with the word that God gives you, gives you direction to give you success. So, for example, what was Rama in Joshua's life? I could bring out several examples, but I'll just bring out this one. How about this one? All right, Joshua, I want you to send out the, 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 the trumpeters. I want you to send them out, and we're going to march around these walls seven times. And on the last day, we're, on the last day, we're going to blow that trumpet. And when we blow that trumpet, the walls of Jericho are going to fall. 
You see, what happened is, is, is he's, he's meditating the word day and night. And out of meditating the day and, day and night, he's getting now a living word, a quickening word from God on how to get success. Now there, I mean, I could go a lot of it, a lot of examples, but, but another, let's go to Psalms 119. So the logos word and rhema word will make your way prosperous. I could probably stay there for a whole session just dealing with that. But um, let's look at Psalms 119. Psalms 119, verse 130. says, the entrance and unfolding of your words give light. The entrance and unfolding of your words give light. So what does rhema do? Rhema, logos and rhema give light. King James says, the entrance of thy word giveth light. And it says... It gives understanding unto the simple. The Amplified says, The entrance and unfolding of your words give light. Their unfolding, their unfolding gives understanding, discernment, and comprehension to the simple. Now, in this is, you can see this, that the entrance of the words give light. So the word gives light. Then what does that word do? That word, in, te- in turn, gives understanding. You see, so you have the word, you have the logos that's giving, that's, that's giving light, but now that logos, the word, is now giving understanding. And that understanding is what rhema is. Is now there's comprehension. There's there's you. It's not just the words on a page, but now you can understand. There's something to it. There's an understanding. There's a discernment. Now there's a comprehension. The word gives light, and the unfolding of that word gives understanding. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. The word of God gets into your heart and mind and that word will impart direction and guidance. It doesn't matter how dark your life gets. That sword, that rhema from God can give you direction. That rhema from God can give you light. Supernatural direction and revelation is completely determined by how much word you have in your heart. Let me say it again. Supernatural direction and revelation is completely determined by how much word you have in your heart. The Holy Spirit cannot bring back things to remembrance if you've never put anything in there. And what the Holy Spirit is who gives rhema. So if I have nothing in there, there's nothing that the Holy Spirit can make a quickening word or a living word. Hallelujah. Another example of rhema in a, uh, of light or direction in, in, in a um, difficult situation. I, I think of um, the story in Kings where, where there, was, there was a famine and they were, um, 
eating some strange stuff. Where I think donkeys' heads were sold for some, I don't know, some major price. But a prophet stands up. A prophet stands up. What is a prophet? He's speaking revelation. And a prophet stands up and says, by this time tomorrow. By this time tomorrow. By this time tomorrow. You see, sometimes people get, get so... Uh, to me, it's too, too spiritual with certain things. Ramas aren't long paragraphs. Ramas are precise. They're direct. They're simplified. They're easy to understand. They're 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 alive. You can explain it to someone else. You don't need to have you don't need to have a page of notes to try to remember it. Why? Because it's living. It's living to you. That's what a rhema is when, when, it, when, see it, it, yeah, this, this is a written word, but, but when, when that written word all of a sudden becomes on the inside of you, it's like, man, it's not difficult to understand. It's not hard to explain to someone else why it's just made simple and made real. So it's not too hard to, to mess up by this time tomorrow. That's a rhema word. That was a rhema word to that entire people by this time tomorrow. This is going to happen. And you have one guy stand up and say, well, even if God opened the windows of heaven, it wouldn't be. One prophet said, well, you ain't going to eat of it. And he was trampled to death. But the whole point is, is rhema is a living word from God for a specific purpose. It, it provides success and it gives direction it gives light in the midst of darkness. In the, in the darkest times of your life, when you go to this word and you allow the Holy Spirit, he can illuminate that darkness. Why? Because God commanded light to shine in the darkness. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. So it makes your way prosper. It gives success. It gives light. And the third thing, it's a power. It gives power to overcome. Rhema gives power to overcome. Hallelujah. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Yeah, I'll say that. You know, the difference between... Another example of Logos and Rhema, we could... Without turning there. The story in the book of Acts where it talked about the seven sons of Sceva, where it said they tried to cast out, they tried to cast out the, you know, it says, so we cast you out in who, whom Paul preaches. You know, that, that's, that's like, that's, that's, that's kind of like logos. That's like, okay, I, I know Paul and, you know, I, I cast out, you know, we cast you out in the name of Jesus and whom Paul preaches. Paul preaches him. So it's like, I'm going to read Paul's sermon and expect to get Paul's results. You know, it, you know it's, you know it's not revelation. It's not has see Rama is revelation. It's the revealed word. And so the demons came back. The the demonic spirits came back and said, "Well, Paul, I know, and Jesus, I know, but who are you?" You see, because because they say they knew Paul and they knew Jesus and Jesus and Paul knew Jesus and knew the power. Why? Because he just didn't have a written word. It was now living word. 
Amen. It was revelation. Amen. So here, it gives us power to overcome. In Matthew chapter 4, without taking the time to read all this, you can also see this in Luke chapter 4, but this is when Jesus is being tempted. Verse 1, it says, Then was Jesus led up in the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If you be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Now, let me... I know we talked about these. Let's, let's kind of take this back to we stand against the wiles of the devil. Taken to you the whole armor of God that you may stand against the wiles of the devil. You see, the enemy, if you be the son of God. I mean, he, we just heard, saw out of heaven after he was baptized, it said a voice came out of heaven and said, this is, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So that was just declared out of heaven. So immediately, what is the enemy comes immediately to steal the word, right? So the enemy comes the same way that he came to Adam. And Eve. Well, God doesn't want you to eat of this because then you'll be like him. They were already like him. He's always trying to attack your identity. And so here he, the wiles of the devil, the deceptions, the tricks. He was using the same thing that he used against Adam and Eve. The same way. If you be the son of God. Command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said... It is written. See, it, it wasn't just what was written became revelation. What was written became revelation to Jesus. And he, and so, so what did he come after? What did he pierce the enemy with? With the, the sword of the Spirit. It wasn't just logos to jesus anymore it was a rhema to jesus man shall not live by bread alone but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of god two-edged sword two two-mouth sword meaning this is how i live my life see there's there's confidence it's not just something that he's reading it's something that's revelation Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, it wasn't just something that came from the mouth of God, but now it's coming out of his mouth. And see, that's how we, that's the sword of the spirit. He was cutting, putting the enemy in his place. Verse five, then the devil taken up to a holy city and sets him on a pinnacle of a temple. And he said unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down for it is written. So now God, now Jesus, now the enemy is using logos. The enemy's saying it's written. Okay. You want to say what's written now? I'm going to say what's written. For it's written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in, the, in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest, thou, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. But Jesus said to them, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. See, it's revelation. It's revelation. 
Again, the devil takes him up into exceedingly high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and said unto them, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, get thee behind, get thee from me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shall you serve. It's revelation. It's revelation to him. It's not just something written, but it's revelation to him. Now let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and I'll close. Hallelujah. The living word needs to become, I mean the written word needs to become revelation to you. Hallelujah. Something that's real to you. Hallelujah. Verse 12. Remember, this all has to do with fighting the good fight of faith. Fighting, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto you are called. And has professed a good profession before many witnesses. What are you saying? What are you speaking? What revelation do you have? What rhema are you declaring? You see, faith declares something. In that whole concept of scriptures, and we're going to go here, but I believe I need to. In 2 Corinthians 4, where it said, and he commanded light to shine out of darkness. God, he spoke something. If you read later on in that same chapter, he says, and we having the same spirit of faith. And we, Paul said, and we having the same spirit of faith speak on this wise. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We believe, therefore we speak. See, Rhema is word that's believed. Is word that's real to you. And I heard a minister say years ago, he says, sometimes, you know, too often we cross the bridge, therefore, too quickly. What do I mean by that? I believe, therefore, that's the bridge, have I spoken. A lot of times people are speaking, but yet they didn't have, don't, aren't at the first place yet. I have believed. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. See, belief here has to do with what's become real to you. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We believe, therefore we speak. And it all has to do with logos becoming rhema. Faith is logos that has become rhema. Thank you, Father. So back to 1 Timothy. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life whereunto you are called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things. Who quickeneth all things. Say quickens all things. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Before Christ Jesus. 
Now, now we go back to Jesus again. Who, before Pontius Pilate, witnessed a good confession. So, so you want to overcome in life and fight the good fight of faith? What did Jesus declare? What did he speak in front of Pontius Pilate? What did he say? If we look at, we look at Matthew chapter 27, look at Luke chapter 22, Mark chapter 15, John chapter, uh, John chapter 18. Three of those accounts, he said to him, he goes, he goes they say you're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and Jesus says, you have said correctly, I am. That was his confession. The revelation, rhema, of who he was. And he said this is how he fought the good fight of faith. He had revelation in who he was. He had rhema in who he was. Let's look at John 18. I'll, I'll, I'll promise I'll close with this. Are you awake or, did I, did, or are you falling asleep? <laughs> John 18, this gives us a little more information than some of the other, but verse 34, it said, Jesus said unto him, this is Jesus' confession, sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it to you? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto thee. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are thou a king then? Jesus answered, You sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. So here, fighting the good fight of faith has everything to do with confession. But what are you confessing? It's something that's become rhema. It's revelation. It's not just, it's not echoing a word. It's not just being a parrot to a word. But it's confessing and declaring rhema. A quickened word, revelation, something that's been revealed to you by the Holy Spirit for a specific purpose. Amen? So the sword of the Spirit, fighting the good fight of faith, that sword of the Spirit is all about revelation. It's all about rhema. And it's how you defeat the enemy. It's how you succeed in life. It's how you walk in light. And it's how you overcome the wiles of the devil. Amen. You receive that tonight? Oh, Father, we thank you for the word tonight. And we thank you for that your word causes us to profit. Your word causes us to increase. And I thank you, Father, for revelation knowledge, revelation and insight to explode in every heart. I thank you, Lord, that the enemy is under our feet, and I declare that we defeat him. We overcome him. Hallelujah, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and loving not ourselves unto death. I thank you that the enemy is defeated. He is under our feet. We are victorious. We stand against the wiles of the enemy. I thank you, Lord, that we are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. 
Hallelujah. We're strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And I thank you, Lord, that we overcome. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. I thank you for revelation. I thank you for revelation in every heart, in every life, in this place tonight. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I love teaching the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, give him a shout of praise. We receive this tonight. Amen.